We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to another episode of the Top Dogs Podcast here on the Field of 68 Media Network. My name is Rob Doster, and I have a banger for you today. I was able to catch up with former UConn legend Emeka Okafor. We talked about a lot of things, including the fact that he is 40 years old and still not officially retired. Uh, I asked him about his comparisons with Adamas Nogo. I asked him about what he says to J.J. Redick whenever he sees him about the 2004 Final Four game. Uh, it was a lot of fun to talk about. You know what's not going to be a lot of fun to talk about? The, uh, the last two games, I guess we have to talk about the week that was. Since the last time that we spoke, UConn has taken their uh, first two losses of the season. They fell at Xavier 83-73, to and they fell at Providence 73-61. to Before we get into the why, before we get into what happens with those matchups, um, I want to talk about the why. I want to talk about what actually happened here um, and what actually is going on with this team. So, let's start with this. I think it's pretty simple. UConn. Lost on the road to the two teams that are, in my opinion, the the next the other two teams in the top three in the biggies. If you want to throw Marquette in that conversation as well, I'm 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 fine with that. I, I I have a little bit of doubts about them on the defensive end, and I don't think they are quite as proven offensively uh, or from a coaching perspective as Xavier and Sean Miller are. But I love Shaka. I love what that Marquette team is doing. I think that they have a ceiling as high as anybody in the Big East. They are as dangerous as anybody in the Big East, and their offense is as explosive as anybody in the Big East. If you want to say that there are four challengers for the Big East regular season title, I'm with it. UConn lost to two of those challengers on the road. Um, and both of those teams happen to match up really well with UConn in the one key spot on the floor where they are having some difficulty right now uh, defending. We're going to get into that. Um, I also think that both Providence and Xavier have top 10 to 15 coaches in America. The bottom line is this. You don't win in the Cintas Center when Xavier is playing well, and right now they are playing really, really well. You don't win in the dunk, period. Providence has won 27 of their last 28 games in that building. They've beaten a lot of good opponents in that building. The only game that they lost was when Villanova went in there and beat them when Colin Gillespie went for 33 points. They had, uh, I think they won like 89 to 84. That, that's the only team that's beaten them in that building in the last two years. That is a fortress. And we're going to get into that in a second. 
But listen, I told you guys on this very podcast before the Villanova game that if UConn goes three and two during this five game stretch that they're currently on, which includes Creighton on Saturday and at Marquette on Wednesday, then that would be a win. I don't think a lot of people agreed with me. I don't think a lot of people wanted to listen to me. I tried to warn you that this was going to be the toughest two game stretch that we have in the entire season. You beat Creighton, you win at Marquette, you are three and two against Villanova, Creighton, Marquette. Providence and Xavier. That is a win. The truth is this. UConn was never going to go undefeated in the Big East this year. They never were. Anybody that expected them to go 20 and 0 in this conference was lying to themselves and was completely delusional. I know that there are some fans in this uh in this fan base that are delusional. I'm I'd be lying if I said I wasn't uh interested in kind of hoping to see that happen, but I think in our heart of hearts we all knew that wasn't going to happen. Um to win the regular season title in the Big East this year, what you need to do is defend your home court. You need to go 9-1 or 10-0 in your home games, and you need to find a way to win one or two road games against those other uh, those other five top teams in the league. The top six to me, Creighton, Villanova, Marquette, Providence, UConn, and Xavier. That's five road games that every each of those top six teams is going to play against those other top six teams. You win one or two of those, you defend your home court, you're looking at a 16-4, and 15-5 kind of season in the Big East. That's going to be enough to win the regular season title this year, in my opinion, and I still think that UConn is in a position where they are going to be able to do that. You just got to steal a couple. You don't have to win them all. Just steal a couple. Um, so I think that all of that is still doable. All of these teams are still coming to our building, and UConn is still a top-four team on Camp Palm. I think as a state... Right now, we need to just take a collective Oosah. Okay. Now that that's out of the way, I do think that there are some major takeaways from the last two games that, that we need to talk about. The first is the four spot. Look, I believe that this is the second most important position in college basketball. The most important one is, is the point guard spot, right? I, I personally tend to lean towards teams that have two playmakers and two lead guards and two initiators and two guys that can kind of play that role, whatever you want to call it. Having guys that can make plays, um, out of nothing is just so incredibly important to playing basketball and succeeding in basketball at this level. The second most important position in my mind is the four spot, right? You need a player there that can win the mismatches and create the mismatches. You need the guy that can exploit a smaller defender by taking him down to the post. You need the guy that can exploit a bigger defender by taking him out on the perimeter, putting on the ball on the floor, knocking down a jump shot over him, being able to kind of run off screens. In theory, Alex Caravan is that guy, right? In practice, Alex Caravan is a freshman. And we kind of saw that youth get exposed a little bit by Zach Fremantle, Jerome Hunter as a savior, and by Bryce Hopkins with Providence. And look, Hopkins, by the way, he's the best player in the Big East. He is the Big East player of the year. I love Adama Sanogo. Bryce Hopkins is the Big East player of the year. The fact that he only played, what was it, six minutes a game at Kentucky last season is coaching malpractice. Imagine what Kentucky would be this year if that dude was still on their roster. We wouldn't be talking about issues that they have offensively, right? He is such a good player. He's a pro. He's an NBA player. I think He's a second round pick, if not a late first round pick. And there isn't a guy um, in the Big East that has had more success playing and, and, and thriving with dudes to play that role than Ed Cooley has. Think Ben Bentle. Think LaDante Hedden. Think Rodney Bullock. He just loves having those guys that can be those mismatch problems. Bryce Hopkins fits that to a T. He is an absolute stud. There's no shame in getting beat by him. I'm not trying to raw, I'm not trying to dog 
Alex Caravan here. Like he's a freshman. I think he actually played pretty well considering the circumstances that he was put into. Bryce Hopkins is an absolute dude. And the fact that Devin Carter has kind of become a dude as well, like Providence is a really good team. I think that they are better than they were last season when they won the regular season title. That is a really, really, really good team, guys. Um, But back to Caravan, he's not quite physical enough yet to be able to deal with a guy like Zach Fremantle in the post. He's not quite quick enough yet to be able to deal with Bryce Hopkins when he pulls him away from the basket. He doesn't quite have the feel... Uh, to be able to do all of the little things you need to do to be able to kind of make up for some of those lack of physical tools when you're going up against bigger or stronger players. Like, for example, uh, there were a couple times last night where he beat Bryce Hopkins to a spot. Bryce Hopkins lowered a shoulder. He took that shoulder to the chest, and then he just didn't fall down. You fall down, and I think Bryce Hopkins probably picks up like one or two charges, right? Alex Caravan didn't quite do that yet. He's not there. He's a freshman, man. Like, there's a reason why there's this quote in coaching circles. The best thing about freshmen is they become sophomores. Caravan will get there. Give him time. I'm all in on him. He's a very, very good player. This is not, this is not his, uh, is not his fault. And I, I, I just, when you're asking a freshman to go toe to toe with a senior in Zach Fremantle that's been all big East and a guy that is the best player in the conference and Bryce Hopkins, like he's never going to win those matchups. And the fact that he made a couple threes, he spaced the floor. He got some offensive rebounds. He was kind of, he made it about as tough for them as he could. I don't know what more you could have asked from Zach from, from Alex Caravan in those matchups. Now, maybe, maybe you want to put Andre Jackson in those spots, but the problem with putting Andre Jackson on Bryce Hopkins last night is then you need Alex Caravan on one of Devin Carter or Noah Locke or Alan Breed. And what Ed Cooley would have done is just run those dudes off of screens and run those dudes off of staggers and, and, and make Caravan chase them around screens. And Caravan is not like, you don't want that matchup. I think it ends up being a worse matchup and you risk Andre Jackson getting into foul trouble. I, I just, to me, that's one of those ones where it's a difficult matchup to kind of figure out. And frankly, when Samson Johnson gets back, the guy that started the first game of the season, the guy that started the scrimmage against Virginia, then maybe we don't have this conversation about that mismatch being an issue. But that's neither here nor there. Um, I, I'm not, I, I don't think you can be that. – that is why – that is the spot where teams exploited UConn and I and kind of where other teams won the game, where Providence and Xavier won the game. Um, but I don't think that that's necessarily something where you can say that's coaching malpractice from Dan Hurley or Alex Caravan needs to sit there. It just is what it is, man. Like those are really, really good teams with really, really good coaches that found a way to get it done. UConn's got to be able to do the same thing at home. Um, one other thing I want to note, uh, Andre Jackson, the three point shooting, like part of the reason that becomes a problem for UConn is that, Teams can play two bigs against them and then hide the other big man on Andre Jackson and not have him out on the perimeter. So you when you when you play small, the advantage is that you force teams that play big to have to come out and guard you on the perimeter. When you have Andre Jackson out there, you don't have to force the other team to put a four man out there and have them guarding on the perimeter. That just it, it kind of clogs things up. It's an issue that we've known is coming all this that's coming all season long. And I uh, touched on it a little bit in the Villanova game. The ability to get Andre Jackson to be the guy that's in the middle of the floor throwing the ball into the post changes a lot of things. Andre Jackson was in a lot of foul trouble by the time he kind of really got it going. Providence had already had control of that game last night. It is what it is. Um, I also think it's important to note here that UConn plays a style that can overwhelm lesser teams. Right? I've said this over and over and over again. The, the things that they excel at this year are the things that you can control. Rebounding, defense, 
effort, being bigger, being more athletic than teams. When they can force turnovers and get in transition, they are a nightmare. When they are getting defensive stops and getting uh, defensive rebounds and turning those into quick opportunities on the break, they are absolutely electric to watch and they are unstoppable. When they can punk you in the paint and on the offensive glass, then they're going to get a lot of easy baskets out of that. The problems arise when teams can take that away and force you to play in the half court. And, um, and that's kind of what Providence and Xavier forced them to do. Providence score or Xavier scored so many easy buckets uh, that UConn was just not able to get out in transition. When you got to take the ball through the net and inbound it, it kind of limits your ability to get out and run. Um, Providence uh, was the more physical team. Bottom line, they were the more physical team that got to the offensive glass. They made the plays that they needed to be able to play. Uh, where UConn struggles is when they're forced to play in the half court, right? So much of what they run is scripted. Um, and so much of what they do on the offensive end of the floor uh, is a result of their playbook and Danny Hurley scheming ways to kind of create guys' shots. Um, you get scouted really, really well in this league. UConn has as deep of a playbook as anybody in college basketball, but the problem is that guys like Ed Cooley and guys like Sean Miller and guys like Greg McDermott have been around long enough that they know what a lot of those plays are. And when you can take some of them away – UConn does not have a guy when you take some of like the robotic stuff that they run away, they don't have a guy that you can give the ball to and say, go get us one, right? Tristan Newton is not quite athletic enough to be able to get to the rim at this level and create at this level that UConn needs him to. Uh, Jordan Hawkins is a guy that thrives at running off of the screens and thrives at being able to create shots when he gets an angle on someone, when he's coming off of a, a down screen, like part of the reason he gets fouled so much is this dude runs so hard and so fast and so long. And he's so good at coming right off of the shoulder of, of some of these staggered screens that when you're chasing him and when you're sprinting, when he catches it and elevates your momentum is going to carry you into him. That's why he's getting fouled on all of these three pointers. Problem is you need that created for you and you can, it's easy to kind of get it taken away. Right. Um, and UConn does not have a guy that you can just give the rock to and say, go get us one. Andre Jackson, love him. But if you're playing five feet off of that dude, six feet off of that dude, the shot that you're going to get is a three from Andre. And that is just at this point, he's, he's shooting 29% from me on the arc. That's not, that's not that that's the shot that other teams want. Um, Adama Sonogo, love him. But he's again, he's kind of like uh, he's kind of like Jordan in the sense that something uh, those shots need to be manufactured for him. You're not just throwing it to him eight feet from the basket and asking him to go create a good look. That's not an efficient way to play. That is not the the best way to put him in a position to succeed. So, um, I, I don't think that that's that's an issue, right? But I don't think any of that is a surprise. There's a reason why UConn went out and got Tristan Newton in the portal and went after some other guys like Jameer Young and some of these other point guards that were in the portal because we knew this was going to be an issue without RJ Cole there. And to be uh, completely frank, like UConn losing on the road to Providence is not something that's going to come as a surprise or or something where uh, it's going to come as a disappointment, right? Like I hate using the term overrated, and I don't think that UConn was overrated because if we're going by the ratings, UConn was number one on Kempom. They were number one on Torvik, and at the same time, they were number two in the polls. If you really want to get specific with it, they were frankly underrated based on the ways that the, the, the metrics that we value in this sport, right? But I don't think there's anybody in college basketball that is head and shoulders above anybody else in the sport this year. I think that if you look at Houston and Tennessee and Kansas and UCLA and UConn and Alabama and Arizona and and, and some of these teams that I forgot, like there are going to be a half dozen teams that get ranked number one in college basketball this year. Um, it's the kind of season where 
there are a dozen teams that are usually in that like seven to 10 range nationally that are usually like those good two seeds. Uh, and there's nobody that you look at and say, yeah, we know they're going to win 35 games. You could just pencil them into the final four. That is a great college basketball team, at least not yet. So everyone's going to take losses. Every conference race is going to be uh, going to be complicated. And um, anyone that was expecting UConn to go 31 and 0 in the regular season probably had unrealistic expectations. Uh, the key now for UConn is to find a way to get past those two losses, get your confidence back up, go out and beat Creighton on home on Saturday. The key for UConn fans, the key for the people that are listening to this right now, is make sure that Gamble, make sure that the XL Center, make sure that both of those buildings are as hellish of an experience for Creighton and for road teams as the dunk was for us and the Cintas Center was for us. That's what you got to do. Make it be a nightmare to walk into that building and play. Positive vibes only from here on out on this podcast. None of us thought that we were going to be here. None of us thought that this season we were looking at a, a potential like top 10 caliber team. At least I didn't. You know, I, I would have been happy with a top 25 team competing for top four in the Big East, make a run in the Big East tournament, find a way to, you know, get to the second round, get to the Sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament. And we're good, right? We are playing with house money right now. We can still celebrate the fact that this is a really good team, uh, despite the fact that they took a couple of, of tough losses in really difficult places to play. And the last thing that I'm going to mention, stop fucking whining about the referees, right? Stop complaining about the officials. UConn doesn't have someone that can get into the lane and create fouls. Tristan Newton is not able to get past people. He was a guy drawing all the fouls for UConn earlier in the season. He's not getting into the lane. He has one free throw the last two games, right? Adama Sanogo, I love him, but he's more of a finesse guy in and around the basket. You just go vertical against them and keep them in front. You're not getting any fouls. There's physicality in the post, right? These other teams, the tougher team are the ones that generally get the foul calls last night xavier was the tougher team again uh, i'm sorry providence was the tougher team to uh on saturday xavier was the tougher team stop whining about foul calls just stop it that's what poverty programs do uconn's a team that shoots a lot of threes and has the finesse guy in the post and doesn't have someone that can beat you off the bounce and go draw fouls in the paint that's why they're not getting these foul calls yes the moving screen against Z zach Fremantle was a really 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 bad missed call that was the only one where you can look at and say that was a horrible call. And that's not because uh, refs are biased against Dan Hurley. Just fucking stop with it. I can't stand it. You sound like babies. You make us all look bad when UConn fans do that. Stop bitching about the officials. Now that I get off my soapbox, before we get into this interview with Emeka Okafor, make sure you check out the merch store. You can get the Field of 68 Top Dogs t-shirt right here. Forever and always will be the Top Dogs. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the Field of 68 Daily if you want to be able to catch up with everything college basketball every morning, 8.30 a.m., directly into your email inbox. It is free 99, and there's nothing better than free 99. So with that said, let's get into this interview with none other than Ameka Okafor. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now let me welcome on to the latest episode of the Top Dogs Podcast, an All-American, a national champion, the 2004 NCAA Tournament Most Outstanding Player, a Big East Player of the Year, and the number two pick in the 2004 NBA Draft, none other than Emeka Okafor, a UConn legend. Emeka, it is an honor, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Rob. Doing good. So what are you, uh, what are you, what are you up to these days? How are you keeping yourself busy? Uh, so I haven't officially retired, so I, I still, you know, I still have the bug still playing. Uh, you know, I, I, I was in Korea uh, pre-pandemic, uh, still looking for the right overse- overseas uh, opportunities. But my main gig is hubby and father of two. What's your favorite part about being a dad? Uh, just every day is different. You know, um, just watching my daughter and my son grow and interact with each other and, and, and myself. Uh, it's, you know, it's like kids say the darndest things every the show, like every single moment of every single day. And uh, it's just, um, you know, I gain appreciation for what my parents went through. Number one, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, wow, okay, you guys did this, but in a country and custom you know, country with customs very different than yours, you know, and, um, you know, I, I, I gained a, 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 a just so I get so much respect for them, um, for what they've done. Um, but I, I just love it. How old are your kids now? Uh, my daughter's nine and my son's five. Yeah. That, so my spread, my, my son is seven and my daughter's three and, uh, okay. they are spread enough apart where they can play a little bit. Um, but they're close enough in age where it's uh, everything is a battle. Everything is a fight in this day and age. The, I think the three-year-old, everyone talks about the terrible twos. It was the three-nagers yeah. for me. I just couldn't three, get three it. Three-nagers, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you mentioned that you're still kind of, uh, you're, you're not retired. You're still looking for the right opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, back injuries are kind of what did you in, right? After 2013. What? Uh, neck. Neck, actually. It was neck. Neck, sorry. Yeah, um, yeah. And then, so you had a, there was a four-year gap and then you started playing again. How how tough was it to kind of get back into shape and get back into playing? Because you go from being, you know, the the peak physical condition to four years off. Yeah, you know, I, I've always enjoyed everything about being an athlete, you know, especially when it came to just being in shape and, and, and staying in peak physical form. And I've always prided myself on being a good sweat away from uh, being in game shape. And during my layoff, uh, I kept that same mentality the best that, that I could. Um, I was obviously hindered with my, with my, uh, my neck injury, but I, I, I was still going as hard as I could uh, reasonably. And the getting back in shape wasn't, the toughest part of just like really just trying to actually find an opportunity to, to uh, get out there and run around. 
So why why are you still chasing this, right? Like you are, you're, what are you, 39 now? I'm 40, 40. 40. So what, what is it? Is it just love for the game, the love for the competition, the camaraderie, the locker room? Like what, what is it about the, the sport that has you, has you hooked? It's, it's all of it. You know, basketball has been very, you know, good to me. Um, you know, I started playing it in a group setting when I was eight at the YMCA back in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. And, um, you know, I, it's been a, a, a major part of my life. It's provided me with a, a college education, provided me with, you know, a job. It's provided me with, just with satisfaction. I, I met my wife through basketball. So, you know, indirectly, actually, I'm, so I met my wife the same day I got drafted, actually. So, you know, there's been a hell of a day. This <laughs> hell of a day, you know, so there's 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 so many good memories uh, associated with it. And then uh, just, you know, part part of the, the you know. I, 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 you know, basketball provided me with a quest, you know, every every single morning I got up to get better, uh, but I wasn't necessarily trying to get better just at basketball. It was me trying to be the best that I could be, you know, so there, there's that element to it so you know then you have the camaraderie the the locker room the fan interactions and, and you just combine it all together and it's really you know i've, I've had this conversation with a, a lot of a lot of you know professional players say, hey man you know do it as long as you have the itch for it and once you stop that's it like once that boat sailed it's done so get out your system and uh when you're done you're done and at this point it's like hey man you know i've done well i have my family now it's just uh, it's not, it's not, it's not chasing anything. It's like, I enjoy it. Now, if, uh, you know, with, with this particular, with any opportunity now, it's like, okay, it, if it fits within the framework of family, if it's okay, if, if my family's not going to be disrupted by, you know, me going up, then, Hey, let me take a little stint and, 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 and go out and hoop. But at the end of the day, I, I just love it. Well, I'll tell you this: if uh, if it doesn't work out for you overseas, I do know a men's league team in Jersey that could use a, a five man. So <laughs> just keep that one on the back burner. Um, you mentioned you're from uh, growing up in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. No, no, does... so I, grew, I grew up in Houston. I spent yeah, a so quick yeah, yeah, Houston, your Houston Bel Air High School, right? So yeah. you're from you're from the Midwest. How does a, a kid from the Midwest end up in Stores, Connecticut? I don't think I've ever heard that that recruiting story, that recruiting pitch. You know, at, at the time, I just wanted to get as far away from home as possible you know i i have you know, a bit of a you know sailor's bug and i i like adventure and uh it just staying in my local surroundings just wasn't i thought in order for me to grow as a per grow more as a person i had to i had to leave mm -hmm. far the farther the better the further the better so when you first met jim calhoun right i i gotta imagine they don't have a lot of people like him in 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 texas or oklahoma do they no, no, no. So yeah, you know, at at, at the at the uh, you know when I met him, uh, you know, very very charismatic, very straightforward. And at, at that point, I, I'd met with a number of college coaches. So you know, in my mind, I was like, okay, I'm not going to get caught up with who the coach is, but pay attention to you know the message and even read be between the lines of that. And you know, the thing that uh, drew me to coach. He, he was just a straight shooter. Like, hey man, look, here's here's the minutes we have available. I, I'm not they're there. I can't promise them to you. If you earn it, you know you you, you can get it. But 
I'm, you'll you'll be the ultimate decider of, of you know how much you play or don't play and he just really just delivered a straight message and <laughs> said you know what you know this said what the situation was and um i i respected that you you developed into one of the all-time great players to come out of a uconn program that has a lot of great players in their history is that when you when you were going there is that something that you kind of thought was possible like i'm always interested in guys that that kind of develop and grow over the years what like kind of what their goal is when they end up going to the program like did you see ncaa tournament most outstanding player in your future so funny like i was very green going to college i, I really know very much about college basketball like the, the nuances even you know we'll, we'll jump ahead as we were, you know, as I was on the bus going to the Big East tournament, I wasn't quite sure what the Big East, like the significance. I'm like, is this, is this March Madness? Is this what it is? And my teammates are like, nah, man, this is the conference tournament and it, it helps with seeding. And then you, I'm like, okay, okay, okay. But uh, my main goal coming into college, uh, stepping on campus, was like, all right, you know, as, as a basketball, every, every high school basketball player has, dreams of making it to the nba right so there that, that there was that right so they, okay i want to make it to the nba um but also i want to graduate so I, so in order and at the time uh the longer you stayed uh if you stayed to your senior year it kind of affected your how you look come draft time it kind of started it kind of tended to diminish your draft status so i'm like all right man look so Let's try and graduate in three years. Like in my mind, I was like, okay, three year minimum. Like there's, mm -hmm. I, I had locked in three year minimum, graduate in three years. And if you can make it to the NBA, you make it to the NBA. If you don't, you stay your fourth year and get a, and get a master's. And um, it was really, the goal was to graduate, to potentially make the NBA. In order to do that, I had to work. You know, it's just like, all right, those are the goals. Then the rest is just working hard. And, uh, and just following the plan. And to be honest, like the champion, like all that other stuff as it, it, it you know, once I started working and once I got in the flow, that's when like, the championships, you know, that, that championship possibility started to sneak in. Like my mind was just, you know, like things didn't happen. Things like that didn't happen to even the fact that I was on the UConn campus. I was like, wow, I'm at a major college university playing basketball. I never would have thought that, you know, a person like, like, like me, I wasn't, I wasn't the high, most highly recruited person. So there was a really a, a, a point in time where I thought I wouldn't play past high school. You know, so now I'm at the University of Connecticut. It's like, okay, I'm here. Okay, let's set these two goals and then let's go from there. You know, freshman year happens. Then it's like, okay, I get the lay of the land. I, I get I get a taste. I, I'm, I'm in, you know, we're in Syracuse battling against, uh, you know, Maryland. We're in the timeout. It's 77-74. Coach, and there's, there's, there's like maybe two minutes left or something like that. 
And coach has a certain air about him as he's saying, look at the scoreboard, look at the scoreboard. I, I turn with my team, I'm like, hey, what are you talking about? Say, hey man, that's the score that they beat, that that they uh, won the national, when they won the national championship, it was 77, 74. That's why he's doing that. I'm like, okay, even, even in that moment, I'm just, there was so much happening that I couldn't really process the significance of winning that game and going to a final four, even what that meant. But after that freshman year, after everything settled in and soaked in, it's like, okay, all right, you know, the overall plan isn't changed, but the intentions, like, all right, now I I know, you know, okay, I know this is a championship quality team. We can aspire to that. Now that's in the periphery, let's figure out how to get that. And whatever comes with getting a championship comes with it. Yeah, it's very much a testament what you just said to you got to fall in love with the process. Right. And Mm -hmm. if you fall in love with the process and you're going to end up reaching the goals that you want, you can't, it's not the, it's not the results that you have to love. It's the process that you have to love to reach those goals. Uh, Adama Sonogo. Um, I've seen a lot of people compare him to you. Every time they play a game, they have those graphics up, right? This is a Mecca Okafor's junior stats. This is Adama Sonogo's junior year stats. Mm -hmm. Uh, How do you think your two games kind of line up and match up? Uh, You know, I think that we're we're very similar players and play very similar roles to uh you know to our, pers- our prospective team you know he's uh he's a solid force you can see that all his teammates depend and 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 rally around him they uh they're buying into the notion that he is the on and off the court leader as he is and he's also subscribing to that notion as well um you know his dominance in the low post, uh, you know, his defensive efforts, his just overall demeanor, you know, and presence on the court, uh, I think resembles how I played at, you know, in 2000, well, during my tenure there. Yeah, I think you guys have the same. The, the jump hook looks exactly the same. Jump hook, yeah. Yeah, it, it's kind of it's got you're fading away a little bit. It's kind of yeah, it's almost yeah. like a floater more than it yeah. is a jump hook. It's like the same jump hook. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you you played in the NBA for a long time. Um, when you got drafted versus now, the NBA is obviously it, the game's kind of changed a little bit, right? Everything mm-hmm. is kind of spaced out more. Shooters mm-hmm. are more the priority than big guys. Mm-hmm. Adamo Sonogo and to a point, Donovan Klingon are two guys that are just exceptional college bigs. What do you think they have to do to be able to kind of get to that next level to where they are now valuable pieces for an NBA franchise? I think so. So even though shooters are seem to be, you know, premiered a little bit more now, there's still room for the big man. You still need someone who's going to just go down there and be a dog, you know, go out there, get rebounds, uh, be a force, be some type of presence. I think uh, there will always be a need for that. When I played, you had three or four guys on a, on a roster who did that, right? Now, maybe one, two, right? So the number of slots have gone down. But I think that the, you know, you know, a, a jump shot will help. And I've seen, you know, Dama, he's, he's expanded his range. Shooting those threes. Uh, Do you get yeah. jealous of that at all, by the way? Do you see him doing that? And you're like, man, I wish Calhoun let me shoot some threes. It, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's just a, it's a completely different mind for you know i was thinking you know during during the prime you know during my, my heyday 
it would be a waste of time to even shoot the, to practice it. If I was practicing, like, all right, like, why even when in the game are you going to shoot this three? Like, there's, it's just, there's no room for it, right? So there is a little bit of envy. Like, oh man, you guys are now they're encouraging. Hey man, just just let it fly. Just don't even just, let's, just throw it up there, you know. And that that's cool. But um, yeah. So you know, I think that that will help. But um, I think that you know, Adama has great nba body i think that you know he can move his feet i think that he can finish i think you know he has that dog in him that will serve him well in the next level and and donovan he's he's showing that he has that as well yeah he's he's got a chance to be special man he's got a chance to be yeah. special. um this is my favorite question to ask the guys that i've had on here that played in the 2004 title game all right you're down by eight points mm-hmm. i'm sorry it wasn't the title game it was the final four game down by mm-hmm. eight points mm-hmm. there's three minutes left in the game mm-hmm. what what is that conversation like? What is that mindset? It's 75 to 67. You look up at the clock. It, 256 like, left. Yeah. It's 256 left. Yeah. So what is what is that? What 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 is that mindset? Like, what are you saying when you're in the huddle? How how are you guys at the point where it's like, okay, we can still win this? So that game, you know, that drive, that that run was started with a Rashad Anderson three. I remember clearly he came, he hit a, he hit a three to make it down by five. I'm like, finally, okay. And then, you know, we came down and we got to stop. And then once we got that ball and then scored again, it's like, all right, game on. You know, now 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 there, there's no there's no I, I don't remember like any particular speech or any you know, rah-rah moment, but just everybody as a collective unit just knew it was time. Like, it was just like, it was time. I, you know, uh, the bucket leading into the one where we we, uh, we we finally took the lead. You know, I was at the free throw line. Josh was fighting for the rebound. He tapped it. I, 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 I was, you know, he'd been my teammate the whole year. So I, I just felt it. Ran to the ball. Me and Luau Dang are are wrestling. We're wrestling for it. In my mind, I'm like, all right, man. If I if uh the rest if, if we if we're tangling too much, the ref's gonna call a jump ball. And I don't know which arrow. I just gotta rip it up and throw it. Ripped it up, threw it up, it went in. And you know, it's really it was just a collective effort, collective will of we will persevere. We're just too dang close to let this one slide. Yeah, the uh the play you just mentioned where you took the lead. Um, I I literally just watched it before we recorded again. I've probably watched it about 30 times in my life. It's a it's it's an all-time great college basketball moment for me. Um, but it was you got a post touch, right? And then you missed the shot, and it just kind of there's a scrum for the ball, and you go and you get it, and then you score again. And to me, that just kind of summed up one uh kind of like what you were as a player at your core, right? And two, what that era of UConn teams was where they were maybe not necessarily the most absolute most talented, the most skilled or going to play the prettiest band of ba- uh, prettiest brand of basketball, but you're going to, you're going to win the fight. And that's how you won those games. And, and to me, that just kind of that moment right there summed it up. Yeah. You know, co- coach, he, he, all he wanted out of his players was just toughness, you know, personality wise, we might've been different, but everybody was tough one through 13, however many people, Everybody was just tough to the core. And, you know, in when moments in the game got tough, 
you know, that would just come, it would just, you just see it just raising, you know? And uh, that game in particular, man, it's, it's, it's one of my all time favorite basketball moments. Even, I want to say, even more so than the championship, but I'll explain why. You know, being down two, you know, eight points with under three, usually in college basketball, it's, like it's done, right? You're mm-hmm. normally done. But, you know, we, we banded together, we scored, we got the stops that we needed, and we got the buckets that we needed. And, you know, we persevered. And the, that locker room, like, you're talking about basketball. Like, I've never experienced a higher basketball moment than, you know, when the buzzer uh, went off and we all marched off into that locker room because we, were, we, we knew, we knew, we're like, all right, that was a championship game. There's no way. First of all, Georgia Tech snuck, 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 snuck a win on us early that season, and, you know, we, we owed them. And we, we just knew that they didn't have what we had. And we just proved it. And that locker room was just, um, it was just crazy. Did you remind J.J. Redick about that every time you saw him in the NBA? <laughs> I saw, you know, you know, I had a little, a little stint with them in, uh, you know, in, 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 at the 76ers and uh, joked about it once or twice. <laughs> you know what's funny about him? He went from being the guy that everybody hated in college basketball to now he's like the face of NBA yeah. media. Yeah. It's his his uh his rise and his change has been yeah. uh, pretty incredible to watch. It's been a, been a great yeah, great ride. All right, so that that team that you guys had um in 2004, four first round big men on the roster. It was you, it was Charlie, Josh Boone, Hilton Armstrong. Obviously they were drafted a little bit later, but I want to know what practices were like there cuz I got to imagine you guys had wars. Oh, so the hardest pr- – so, yeah, practices were – they were intense. So, Jim Calhoun's practices did an, – an, he just did an amazing job preparing me for the NBA because the NBA practices never compared to Jim Calhoun's. Right? They were all – they were – I couldn't – I didn't understand. I'm like, oh, wow, oh, wow. Okay, these, these NBA practices are, are and this is I mean now guys don't practice at all. This is back when the NBA when they had like practices, right? But you know, as I mentioned earlier, Coach Calhoun wanted to make sure first and foremost that you were tough, and that's what his practices were about—just being tough. Uh, little story: my very, 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 very first practice at UConn, you know. We started off in the field house and, you know, you start in the field house and you got to earn your way to Gamble. So we, we practiced like an hour in the field house and then we earned our way to Gamble, practiced what seemed to be forever. And I remember going back in my dorm room, never feeling as sore as I did. I, I was just unbelievably sore. I couldn't get out of the fetal position that I was curled in. And I was like, oh, my gosh, how am I going to do this every single day? Like, forget the NBA. I can't even make it to college. Like, I have to go home and, you know, I'm going to be embarrassed. Like, it's impossible for me to do this ever again. But the next day happened, and I got up, and I was stronger. You know, I, I, I made it through. Um, and 
you know, that's what his practice were, were geared. He was, he was gearing me for the journey. He was gearing me for the biggies. He was gearing me, you know, it, it was really more mental than anything. Just, hey, man, like, if you can get through this, you'll be all right. Just, just however low you, you go, get up, attack, and do it again. So now we know why you uh, you always stay in shape because you never want to be that sore again. So we're getting, we're getting down to the bottom of it here. We're having a little psychology session here, Mecca. Um, all right, I'm going to put you on the spot. This is the last thing I got for you. I need your all-time UConn starting five. It's a tough <sighs> one. It's a tough one. You don't, If you don't want to put yourself in there, you don't have to put yourself in there. Dude. No, a lot of people would, but you don't have to put yourself in there. All-time? The point guard is the toughest spot to pick. Dude. See, I'm, I'm going to be <laughs> – so I, I believe our starting five is the best all time, right? So, you know, I, I got to put my man Talik at the got one. Him. I got to put my man uh, Ben at the two. I'll put Rashad at the three. No, who's – no, Denim. I'll put Denim at the three. I'll put Josh at the four. I'll put me at the five. I'll I take that squad all day. I love it, man. I love I'll it. I'll take I that squad all day. Yeah. I love it. Um, we'll, we'll, do, we'll do Rashad as a six man. There you go. You got to just run it back, huh? That just team won the back, title. <laughs> you can't tell back. you guys anything, huh? Yeah. Listen, Emeka, this has been awesome. Uh, it's been great to catch up with you. I'm sure UConn fans are going to love hearing from you. Uh, best of luck finding a, a place to land. And remember, that offer's still on the table, man. Men's All League. Right. The, the best <laughs> thing. I don't know. You may not get a paycheck, but at least we can offer a, a bar tab afterwards. There we go. <laughs> Fair enough. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.